0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: You don't get lost, you don't lose time, you don't waste time. That's why. That's what the Bible does. It helps us stay on track with God. It, keeps, it helps us keep our ways pure. How does it do that? Don't miss this. Ultimately, God's Word, the Bible, makes us think rightly. It makes us think rightly. Right thinking leads to right attitudes, actions, words, and deeds.
0: I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all That nothing is impressive with you. Oh, is impossible. Hello and welcome to today's Grace to Live Radio Broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so glad and encouraged that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues his sermon series entitled, The Blueprint. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to Psalm 19. And now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: This word has something to say about every decision you're about to make. And it will provide you the guidance, the principles that you need to make good and godly decisions. Because after all, we come with instructions, don't we? And it's typical, you know, right? Guys get lost, they don't ask for directions. Guys, I went to assemble a bed not that long ago and I didn't want to read the instructions. It was actually like a sofa bed. But in the end, I capitulated. You should too. We come with instructions, read them. That's the Bible. They will guide you through every challenge you're going to face. And when a crisis comes... You'll be ready because there is no cramming for life. Here's another realization. You know, the Bible is salvation. The Bible is wisdom. The Bible is divine guidance. You know what that means? It means that the Bible is priceless. God's word is priceless. Where do we see that? More to be desired than th- th- are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is worn, keeping them there is great reward. In that era, you needed two things to survive. And it it wasn't your basic economics, guns and butter, right? It was gold and food. And here we see the value of God's word. It's priceless. It's invaluable. It's more desirable than gold, and it's more sustaining than gold more desirable than the drippings of the honeycomb in gearing up for the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come as a father, son, mother, daughter, grandparent, aunt, uncle, friend, neighbor, colleague. And that's why the psalmist says and prays in Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Because wisdom comes out of the Word of God. We don't read into the Word of God. We read from the Word of God to inform our thinking. You need the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to apply the Bible. You need to memorize Scripture. And you need to reflect on what it says because of what the Bible is. And the Bible is salvation. The Bible is wisdom. The Bible is divine guidance. The Bible is priceless. Which brings us to the second description of what the Bible is. What is the word of God? It really, actually, why is it important to us? Because of what it does. What, what value is the word of God to us? Because of what it does, aside from leading us to Christ and into fellowship with God, which is no small thing, God's word prevents us. God's word, the Bible, inoculates us from offending God. That's why the divine guidance aspect is so important. That's why the wisdom aspect is so important. In Psalm 1913, we see this. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. In this psalm, he's praying. He's saying, your word is priceless to me. It is salvation. It is wisdom. It guides me. And what does it do? It keeps him back from presumptuous sins. It keeps him back from erroneous assumptions about what's pleasing and what isn't pleasing to God. We dealt with a lot of that last Sunday. We make a lot of assumptions about culture and life and rights, and we offend God. But here he says, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. The Bible tells us not only who God is and how to find him, but how God is and what his expectations are for each and every aspect of our lives what his desires are for us that's why the psalmist said in psalm 119:11 i have stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you i have hidden some translations say i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you the bible inoculates us it vaccinates us it gives us the wisdom the divine god it's not to do things carelessly that offend God, that our sins against God. That's why committing the Bible to heart, embedding God's thoughts in your mind is essential to your existence. That's why the Bible is the cornerstone, the foundation for our statement of faith, for our blueprint, for the blueprint of this church and all of its ministries. It enables you not to sin against God, but to live for Him. It enables you to live for Him and understand Him intelligently, Our faith is not a blind faith. It's a very rational faith. It's a commonsensical faith because it is based on the Word of God, which is the ultimate expression of the will of God. And we don't have to go to prophets or prophetesses or seers or sorcerers or dreams and visions. We have the complete and total revelation of God's Word. It helps you build a relationship with God. Think about it. Think about your quirkiest friend, and I'm not comparing God to your quirkiest friend. Think about your wife or your husband, your son or your daughter, your friend or your neighbor, your colleagues. The more you know about them, the better you are to relate to them, and the less likely you will offend them unnecessarily. Sometimes we have to offend those we love, but we never have to offend God who does all things well, who's perfect in all that he says and does, and never makes a mistake. What does the Bible do? It enables us to live intelligently and lovingly for God and not offend him. What else does the Bible do? God's word, the Bible, sets us free from besetting sins. And somebody goes, what in the world is a besetting sin? That's a little archaic language. It's a sin that you're liable to do over and over again unless something or someone corrects your thinking it's a sin that can take you prisoner. But God's word does not steer us wrong. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 19, 13, call it be. He talks about keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin, then he says, let them not have dominion over me. You see, he knows that God's word as he studies it, as he reflects on it day and night, as he tries to do all that it says to do, as he tries to think in the way it tells him to think, that it is key to giving him wisdom for not falling prey to sins that will take over his life. Addiction. I mean, you know, when you think that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, do you really want to do drugs? Do you really want to self medicate with alcohol? Do you really want to look at videos that you shouldn't look at because you've had a hard day and you think you need a thrill? Those things take you prisoner. Let them not have dominion over me. See, God's word doesn't cramp your style. People say, oh man, I can't do this and I can't do that. You're reading it all wrong and you fail to understand God. God's word provides Christian liberty. All right? Now in America, unfortunately, we have redefined Christian liberty to say that we're no longer under the law and we're not. And we're free to do whatever we want to do. We're not. We've been set free as slaves to sin and we are now slaves to God and we are accountable for what's in his word to meditate on it day and night and to seek to do all that is written therein. Christian liberty is being free from the dominion of sin. That's what God's word does. It sets us free. It sets us free. That's why Jesus prayed In John 17, 17, sanctify them, set them apart. In truth, Father, your word, your word is truth. God warned us to depend pen of the apostle Paul in Colossians not to be taken captive by the elemental principles of this world or not let the philosophies of this world dominate our thinking. Even in Colossians 3, and this is extra, no extra charge, I'm just throwing this in as a rabbit trail. For me, as I study God's word in toto, Colossians 3 is a blueprint for breaking every bad habit, for being set free from any kind of dominating sin that you fall and pray to, for making the changes that you need to make and want to make and God wants you to make in your life. Spend some time there. If you want to memorize a chapter of the Bible this month or this week, depending on how fast you are, memorize Colossians 3. The Bible sets us apart from besetting and imprisoning sin that bends our mind and makes us not think straight. The Bible straightens out our thinking. It informs us, and the Spirit of God, working through the Word of God and the people of God, enables us to go beyond our strength and to do things that we normally would not do because we have the Bible. Think of the Bible as a road hazard sign. You're driving down the freeway and it says, you know, rock slide area ahead. Oh, that's going to cramp my style. Let me accelerate. No, the Bible tells you to be careful. Or, you know, slow men working. You know, they could probably rearrange that sign. It sounds like there are slow men up ahead and they're working. You know, these people. No, but it's this is what the Bible. It warns us. It keeps us from offending God. It sets us free sets us free from dominating or besetting sin. How does it do that? Well, here's our next realization. God's word helps us to keep our ways pure. To keep our ways untainted, unstained, uncorrupted. Where do we see that? We see that in Psalm 1913c. Now, you're saying, you know, it, it doesn't say 1913c in there. Right, but Bible, the versification wasn't there either in the original manuscript. So, hey, you know, that's not inspired... But at the end of Psalm 19:13, it says, "Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression." Blameless and innocent speak to a level of purity, a level of holiness, a level of un, of, of cleanness. The Bible keeps our ways pure, and the word transgression there has to do with not crossing the line. It you know, when you, A lot of times people say, well, Pastor Keith, how far can I go to in this behavior, this practice without crossing the line? I was like, why would you want to get so close to the edge of the cliff to start with? <laughs> Transgression is crossing the line with God. It's going outside the boundaries, the circle of his blessing. And God's word helps us keep our ways pure. It leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that even when we do walk through that deep, dark valley, we're not afraid because we know that he's with us. And that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 9 and 10, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandment. It's a fence that keeps you from falling into a ditch. It is your spiritual GPS. It keeps you on course. You don't get lost. You don't lose time. You don't waste time. You don't accumulate spiritual drunk. That's why. That's what the Bible does. It helps us stay on track with God. It, keeps, it helps us keep our ways pure. How does it do that? Don't miss this. Ultimately, God's word, the Bible, makes us think rightly. It makes us think rightly. Right thinking leads to right attitudes, actions, words, and deeds. Where do we see that? We see that in Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, most people don't really care about what God thinks. They really don't. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, they're not born again. They're not in the process of being born again. There's no weight of conviction on them where they realize that he's God and they're not and they need help. There are people who just choose to be oblivious. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And they pretend that he doesn't exist. And so they ignore him. And then there are people who don't know and don't care what God thinks because they don't read the Bible. Because they may have named the name of Christ. They might even be baby Christians. But they may be among that 46% of self-labeled evangelical Christians who are biblically illiterate and believe that Allah and God are the same God. They believe that Allah and Christ are the Allah of the Quran are the same gods. But the Bible teaches us to think things through carefully. The Bible enables us to think rightly. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 talks about all scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God and it's profitable, useful, valuable for doctrine. I know we don't like to talk about doctrine Worship unites and doctrine divides. Yes, doctrine divides and it's all good because it separates the wheat from the tare, the sheep from the goats, the believer from the unbeliever, the biblicist from the exper- experientialist. It does. God's word is breathed out by God and is useful, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that the man of God or the woman of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. We know how to think and we know what to do and we know the right thing to do and we do it. That's thinking rightly. James says the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. But God's word makes us think rightly about the issues and helps us see beyond all roads lead to God. All roads do lead to God. You understand that. Just like when Satan said to Adam and Eve, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll understand the good and evil like God does. Well, God hasn't experienced sin. He's never sinned, but he understands it. And Adam and Eve only got half of the story right. All roads lead to God in that when you die, no matter what religion you're in, you're going to face God. But it's, it's where the road goes after that encounter that we need to be concerned about, right? So then after you meet God you go to heaven or you go to hell so I guess in some limited sense all roads lead to God but the bottom line is when you think rightly about it without Christ there is no salvation and where your ultimate destination is depends upon your relationship with Jesus Christ God's Word in Hebrews 4.12 talks about the Bible as as a discerner of the thought and intentions of the heart it helps us examine our motives in our appetites. It helps us to pause and reflect upon why we're about to do what we're about to do and it keeps us on the right path. God's word causes us to think rightly as we examine our hearts. What does the Bible do? Why is it so important it makes us think rightly? Why is the Bible important to us as the cornerstone to our blueprint in this church? Because of what it is because of what it does. And we've only scratched the surface in these eight verses in Psalm 19. Back to our blueprint. The Bible. We believe that God has spoken in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors as a verbally inspired word of God. The Bible is without error in its original writings. The complete revelation of his will for salvation and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. To build a a better life, to survive and to thrive in this world, you need a blueprint. And that blueprint has to be based on the Word of God. To walk in the paths of righteousness, you need a spiritual GPS. And that spiritual GPS, that compass is the Bible. The Bible is invaluable to the Christian life because of what it is and what it does. So what do we do with all this? How do we apply this today? How do we put feet on this and get traction? Because, you know, some of us may have kind of wandered off the trail a little bit and now we're saying, well, I've messed it all up. You know what? You turn back to God. Don't run from God. Run to God. So what can you do to apply what you've learned, what we've discussed here today? First, let me suggest that you memorize it. I'm not talking about trying to memorize Psalm 119 in one sitting or the book of Leviticus. Wouldn't kill you. I I remember there was a a little boy who, who entered a contest and the pastor said, If you memorize Psalm 119, I'll give you a Bible. And this was like in the uh, 17th century. So a little boy shows up and they've given all the Bibles out. And it turns out they would kind of cheated, you know, that some of these kids memorized parts of Psalm 119. This kid sat down and he just ripped through the whole puppy dog. Memorize the Bible. That's why Jesus, when Satan twisted Scripture, could say, It is written, it is written, it is written. Because it shapes our thinking. After you've memorized it, think about it. Let it guide your heart in your steps. I want you to think about it this way. Our brain is a hard drive. Our operating system, our file system is corrupted by sin. Think of the Holy Spirit, not to be irreverent, as your antivirus software and day in and day out, you need to update your definitions. And that's why you memorize and reflect upon the Word of God. Let it guide your heart. Let it go seek out the malware that is there and eliminate it or quarantine it and expel it. Thirdly, let it al- allow it to be the scales in which you weigh the truth claims of this culture and age. You know, we hear things that sound good, but upon closer examination, are terrible. And every, you know, I, I remember one uh, presidential administration years and years ago, they used to say, well, we're just putting out a trial balloon to see if it gets poked and popped. You know, the Bible is the ultimate needle that busts those trial balloons that would lead us off of the path and into destruction. And therefore, as we study these 10 essential doctrines of the Christian faith that make up the blueprint for ministry here, our statement of faith. We started with the Bible so that we can understand God, sin, salvation, the second coming, who we are. This is the foundation. This is the cornerstone for the rest of our discussion. Now, next week, we'll talk about God, the doctrine of God. But this week, if you don't know God, I want you to stop and think about that. I want you to examine your life in light of what scriptures that you know. Take what you know and apply it and say, do I know about God, but do I not know God? Just what? Because today is the day that you could become right with God and start a new life by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have the blueprint. We want you to follow the instructions and the instructions say, there's no other name given among men under heaven by which you can be saved. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you surrendered your will, your past, your present, your future to God, turning away from the old way and turning to Christ? You put your faith in Christ. I want you to think about that because otherwise you'll be unable to interpret and to apply and build a life based upon the Bible and this blueprint.